Thank you. <laughs> uh, my father-in-law is here. He's only 96. So I wanted him. He's waving over there. And you can greet him afterwards, okay? He likes to, he likes to visit with people, so give him a, a greeting. That would be awesome. And, uh, you know, it says this in the Scripture. It says, grandchildren are the crown of old men. We should change that somehow because grandfathers aren't old. They're just wise, right? So let's do that. Grandchildren are the crown of wise men, and the glory of sons are their fathers, and the glory of daughters are their fathers. There's something in the heart that God put in the heart of every man and woman on the earth that their dad is bigger than life and can do no wrong and, you know, that changes over time. We're going to talk about that pain today. I, I don't want to be a negative. I don't want to be negative. I believe it's going to be a blessing. But how many know that the truth sets people free? And ignoring the truth just perpetuates the brokenness. That's, so today we, we're going to get the scalpel out and just do a few little cuts, do an operation, and then we're going to believe the Lord's spirit to sew us up and bring healing in our life. How's that? Just for a... So let me, let me kind of give you a little, uh, got, the, got, the, got the fam here. Okay, we got, we got the British Empire here. We've got, listen to these names now. I don't, we didn't do this on purpose. These are my forest new grandchildren out of, thir- we got 13 now? Is that where we're at? Okay, 13. I, I'm, I'm, I'm losing track sometimes. 13 grandchildren. We got, listen to this for British Empire. We have Finnegan, Kingy or Kingston, Knox, and Harrison. So uh, that's kingdom. That's kingdom. That's British kingdom. And I think they're going to be kingdom of God guys. There's Jesse with his. Harrison. There's Lee. Finnegan. Where's up? Oh, Kingy. Kingston. And Luke. I could use a little recharging. Why don't we head there this minute? I can't wait. That's Knox, so, I mean, we pray for Knox. That's his father. <laughs> That's his father. We're going to go into intercession right now for Knox. Lord, help that little boy become normal, having a dad like Luke. I think the problem is Luke's like the way he is because I was his father. So this is a generational prayer. It's going to come full circle. We're going we're gonna to capture that really good. I also want to show a picture of my kids and my wife. There's our team right there. And we're so grateful for that. I'm so grateful. What an honor and privilege to be a dad. And uh, sometimes I shake my head when I think about where I came from. When I was 19, smoking pot, drinking beer, chasing girls in a fraternity, the Lord tipped my life upside down and rescued me. And just his grace. I mean, I don't deserve anything. I have nothing. I mean, zero. I mean, it's just like I, I have to pinch myself thinking, Lord, why did you pick me? You know, and that's, that's something we can all ask. Why did, why, did he, why did he draw us? Why did he pick us? And don't, you know, isn't it great that we can receive the grace of God and we never use it as a weapon against other people like we're better and you're this, but we just keep extending that grace. We, we re, we're reminded of what happened to us and we're just going with that precious and we're just extending it, you know. And man, what a, what a great, uh, and my, I wanted to show a picture of my dad too. There's my dad. Hey, dad. That was at our wedding 40 years ago. He's been gone a while. Um, I was 34 when he passed away at age 61. So it's been a long time. Dad's been gone. And uh, I actually miss my dad. And 
You know, I want to I want to talk about dads today. So I, I want to just address the men. And, and men, it's not just being dads. I think God's called men to be be a father spirit in the earth. You know, to to walk in the mantle. Because you know what? The spirit of adoption is alive, and every man in here can find a broken-hearted son or daughter appropriately. You know what I'm talking about. And just begin to be that. I mean, a, a 30-year-old can be a father to a 15-year-old. A, you know, a 20-year-old can bend down and, and touch that little kindergarten boy. You know, I mean, uh, a young adult can, can, you know, just be the answer to prayer for that single mom. I mean, God wants to loose the spirit of fatherhood. He wants to loose the spirit of fatherhood, but the only way that can be loosed is we find healing from our own father wounds. You know, sometimes those father wounds are there and they're like a giant blockage. It's like darkness has set them there like a roadblock. And the treasure that's in us as men, what, you know, you wouldn't be here if you didn't want God. And you wouldn't be here if you didn't have a heart to heal. And you wouldn't be here if you didn't have a heart to grow. And so today I'm going to be talking about some things and they're going to be painful. But can you see them? Would you agree with me? Could you let them be an invitation instead of a condemnation? Now, the devil would love to take what I say today and go, and you're, you're kind of going, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He's going to making me, he's reminding me of what a failure I am. I mean, this is not the purpose. But in a very real sense, the Lord kind of, he really challenges us in the scripture, Malachi. Let me, I'll read it here. Uh, so the last part of the Bible, and it just says this, it says, Behold, Malachi 5, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Listen to this. He will restore the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, so he will not come and smite the land with a curse. And, and the Lord seems to lay at the feet of men. And men, we love to be challenged. We get challenged, you know, at work. You know, this is a pink slip. You know, if you don't change some things, you're, you're taking, you're gonna, we're going to send you out the door. And you go, yeah, I'm going to change what I'm doing. I'm going to make a difference. The coach does the same thing. Do you want to be on, on the bench or do you want to be on the playing field, you know? And he challenges us and we go, yeah, I'm going to. So today I want to challenge you. And, you know, let's just take it. Let's take it. Because we love to be challenged. And, and God wants to help us do what he's asking us to do. He enables us to do what he asked us to do. He doesn't tell us to do stuff and say, you can't do it. And he's asking for our hearts to turn to our children. And, you know, this is, the, this is it. Think about what he says. He's talking about the curse that comes on the land. That's, that, that's that, that imperceptible, slow, really that slow demonic, that slow, that tragedy happening to our nation that one day after another day, after a long period of time, we think, what happened to our country? What happened to our country? What It used to be different. And that's that curse that we talked about. It's that curse that's coming on the land. You know, if men are, if God's putting on, laying in at the door of men, and men are the problem, okay, okay, let's own that. But, you know, we get to be the solution now. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's another side of this. If we're the problem, we get to be the answer. If we're the problem, we get to begin to respond to God. If we're the problem, God will help us respond. We get to be the answer. And God wants to help us, and I believe with all my heart, every time a dad begins to turn his heart to his children, that it's like God's reaching out through that father and through that father figure, whether it's a spirit of adoption, whether it's spiritual sons and daughters, natural sons and daughters, a little mixture, you name it. Every time we're reaching into the heart of our nation and pulling the curse off, every single time it's making a difference. It's making a difference because that little boy, that young man, that broken son, 
is not going to do the crazy things he would have done because there was someone paying attention to him. And he doesn't have to do something crazy to get attention. Did you hear what I just said? There's someone paying attention to him, interested in his life, so he doesn't have to do something crazy to get the attention he longs for. Every son, every daughter was designed by God to receive affirmation and affection and attention. It's in their spirit. It's, it's designed by God. You know, we have the effects of fatherless, you know, different kinds of dads. Some of us, you know, the, 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 that, that calling God has for us to be that is blocked, like I said. That father pain, that father wound, that blocks us. It's like a roadblock. And God wants to remove it, wants to heal that thing so you can be who you want to be in God. He wants to remove that today. I believe that with all my heart. Some of us experience different kinds of dads. Absent father, silent father, distant father, cruel father, abusive father, an alcoholic father, workaholic father, a punishing father It's never good enough. Fathers who put their own interests and pursuits above their family. Again, it sounds negative, but, you know, it's, Lord, if we can look in the mirror, grace starts coming. I mean, the grace of God. God wants to enable us to do the very thing he's called us to do. You know, we see this borne out in, his, in the scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah 14, 12, it's describing the fallen, the fallen angel from heaven. And it, we know that Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven, and he was, was kind of, and he, he wanted to be like God, and God threw him out of heaven. He became what we, what we know as Satan, the devil. You know, and his, the way he described him in the Bible is that he only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. His whole agenda is to destroy things, kill people, destroy dreams, just trash humanity. I mean, that's all he lives for. He, he's incapable of doing anything that's possible. Anything that even looks good is really it's, it's meant for destruction. That's his, that's his agenda. And we know this, and, it, and the phrase that it describes him, it says, you who have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. Our theology as Christians is that the, that the nation is only as strong as the church or God's people in that nation. God's people are only as strong as the families that make up those people. The families are only as strong as the marriages. The marriages are only as strong as that young man and that young woman that God puts together to be a team. And part of that equation are those dads, those fathers in those families. And God wants to raise them up and strengthen them and encourage them. And that's what this day is about. I'm, I'm trusting, even with this challenge, you'll feel there'll be a spirit of encouragement that comes to you. You know, we can make a long list of, uh, you know, all the statistics. You can talk to the social workers and the police chiefs and the teachers and the counselors. And you can make a list you know, the results of this fatherlessness. But I thought if I, if I just told you a story, a um, story of some young boys uh, years ago when my daughter Allison was, uh, I think she was maybe 17, we had a student from like an SL student living with us. So it's Allison and this young lady, and they went to the store. I'm on the porch, went to the store, came back from the store, and they were at the store. Why they were coming and going, three teenage boys, young guys, 
threw rocks at them, kind of threw rocks at them, but that wasn't, they, they, they spoke to them with great vulgarities. They're talking sexual body part words at them and mocking them and just like gross. I mean, Allison came home and said, gross, Dad, I feel like I need a bath. And I, and I said, where are they? It's like, I'm, this is like the wrong thing to tell me. You can tell somebody else this, but I'm, whether they, whether they, what does my wife call me? I'm, I, I'm kind of an alarmist. I get a little bit like, and so I'm thinking, where are they? Now, I don't have a plan. I'm not thinking, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. I'm just going to find them. Where are they? They said, uh, you, Jim, where are they? And it's just, can you believe this timing from God? Just when they were, you look down a street in the intersection, and they're just crossing through the intersection. And then they're going behind the house on the corner. That means I can run up full blast to the house. They can't see me. I ran full blast up to the house. And then I turned the corner. There's their backs. They're walking down the sidewalk. I sprinted all the way up right behind them. I jumped in front of them and said, did you talk to my daughters? Did you say those vulgar things to them? They're thinking, what has happened to us? You know, like this guy is a lunatic. I said, answer me now. Don't you ever. They're going to go, yeah, 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 yes, yes. So I said, don't you ever talk to them. Don't you ever talk to a woman again like that. You hear me? And then, you know, the Lord is so good. (laughs) Because he spoke to me. He said, ask him the question, Jim. I I knew what the question was. I knew it immediately. I, I, I began to just change my tune. I said, do any of you guys got a dad at home? And that look, when they look back into my eyes, I'll never forget that moment. Because there was something in me that wanted to cry, something in me wanted to say, can we, can we go fishing? Do you want to play ball with me? Do you want to go shoot some bow and arrows? Do you want to go sailing? Do you want to throw a Frisbee? Do you want... Do you want Whatever, what do you want? And I, did, I feel like there wasn't enough of my heart to go around. I said, God, will you heal your church? Will you heal your fathers? Will you release them to, to, be, to bind up the brokenhearted? Will you, will you put the spirit of adoption on every man, every young man, every older man? Will you change? Will you put the spirit of, of Malachi on the, on the church? Will you do it, Lord, to heal our land? Because it's every dad. It isn't just your own kids. Turning the heart of fathers to, it says their children, but it's like they're your kids when you say, I want them for me. I want them for the kingdom. They're your kids. And you reach out and begin to have them and you want them. And your young boys grow up to be men, you know, and, and then, you know, it's just like we want to remove the curse. And then there's this talk, you know, this, all this, this toxic masculinity, you know, Boys grow up like that. They want attention. They do the things. They do the wrong things. You know, even they, they grow up so there's such a need in their hearts for attention that even bad attention is better than that horrible loneliness of no attention at all. They're going to do something. And they do. <clears throat> I got another story. Contrast these two stories. It's a lady jogging. She goes, I was on my usual running path when I heard an older man yelling loudly enough for me to hear through my headphones, sexy lady, hey, 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 sexy lady. He kept screaming it, and I decided to just ignore him and keep running. This ignoring him seemed to make him angrier, and he lashed out and said, F you, dumb B-I, you know what he said. And now let's 
keep in mind he was, was well-dressed and appeared to be on his lunch from an office job. Got a little lunch break, I guess, you know. That was my trigger point, the B word. I ripped off my headphones, prepared to stand up for myself when this little boy who was walking alongside his mother and his little sister in a stroller looked at the guy and said, hey, that is not nice to say to her. And she didn't like you yelling at her. You shouldn't do that because she is a nice girl, and I don't let anyone say mean things to people. She's a girl like my sister, and I will protect her. Whoa. The man was immediately embarrassed. I hoped to shout, I added, and started gathering his lunch to leave. I asked the mother if I could hug the little boy. His name is James, and I told him how grateful I was for him. He just shrugged his shoulders and said, well, I just wanted to make sure your heart was okay. Come on. According to his mother, this is a typical day in the life of James. Thank you so much for the mothers and fathers, and can I add, and the, and the, and the principals and the teachers and the elders and the home group leaders and the youth pastors and the assistant pastors and counselors and, and really any man that's been touched by the grace of God who has a spirit of adoption on that wants to say, I want to help break the curse of our land. Thank you to them who are raising the next generation to be brave and courageous and little earth angels for us all. I am so grateful. This toxic masculinity, you're hearing that term? It's toxic masculinity now. They're even beginning to, people that work with men and problems that men have, they're trying to, they're trying to treat men for this for these quality, trying to help them understand these qualities are negative. It's kind of crazy what's going on. I rather prefer, I prefer the phrase authentic masculinity, that men were designed by God to do what's right instead of what's easy. How's that? How about men that were designed to look in a mirror and see someone they respect and their fuel is honor? How about telling a man he's a protector instead of a predator? How about telling a man that he was never designed to be bound to his lower nature, but God's releasing grace to him so he can rule over his sexuality instead of his sexuality ruling over him? There are men that want to hear that kind of stuff. They want to be challenged, and they want to be encouraged by fathers. I believe every young man in this room wants to be that kind of young man, but they're going to, they're going to need some help from some dads. I want to read this to you. Prager University put this out, talking about toxic masculinity. The culture's answer to this supposed representation of toxic masculinity is make men less masculine. That's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? We will get more toxic masculinity from trying to make men more like women. Bad men don't start becoming good when they become less masculine. Bad men become good when they stop being bad. How's that for rocket science? Can I repeat that for you? Just, we, we, it has to get through to us. We got to get this now. Now, I understand some men are channeling their male attributes in the wrong way. I understand that. But we don't throw the baby out with a bat. Well, therefore, all those traits are wrong, right? No, that's, that's, that's not good logic. They're, they're channeling traits in the wrong direction. How about channeling them in the right direction? Let's start that again now. Right, let's, should we do this again? Okay, take a deep breath. Here we go. 
Bad men don't start becoming good when they become less masculine. Bad men become good when they stop being bad. And who makes us, who gives us a new heart? Jesus gives us the new heart. He enables us to be what we want to be. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Aggression, violence, ambition, and risk-taking can only be harnessed. They are innate in man. You can't get it out of them. The same masculine traits that bring destruction defeat tyrannies. Traits that foster greed build businesses and economies. Traits that lead men to take foolish risks lead men to take heroic risks. The answer to toxic masculinity is not less masculinity. It's better masculinity. It looks like men opening doors, men working long hours, sacrificing for their families, men going to war to fight evil, which we just commemorated on Memorial Day. And may I add, men walking responsibly in their sexuality. When men embrace their masculinity in ways that are productive, they are warriors, leaders, and heroes. Men want to follow those kind of men. When men are denied their masculinity, they run away from their responsibilities, leaving destruction and despair. The consequences of this father absence are everywhere, and they're widely documented. It's about identity, isn't it? And we're hearing all about identity. All we hear, identity, identity, I'm this, I'm that. You know, it's like God's saying, how about you just be what I made you to be? I'm going to help you be the best man you can be. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. With the call is the enablement. With the call is the enablement. With the call is the enablement. I don't care how much failure you've had. God, you know, his mercies are new every morning. He knocks on our door in the morning and he says, all he asks, he doesn't ask you how you failed yet. He says, what do you want today? And you can say, Lord, I want to be who you want me to be. I want to be that with all my heart. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning we can rise up. You know, Jesus had his identity. You know, he was... Before the foundation of the earth, there's Jesus with his identity. And his father, I, I don't have time, but he got baptized. And it says the heavens were opened. And the presence of God like a dove landed on him. And in the words of heaven, this is my son, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It was the attention of heaven and the affection of heaven, the touch of heaven, and the words of heaven that set his identity. It was before he did anything. This is to cut out the workaholism and the alcoholism from failure. It's to remove from, from, from us performance where we can just be. Everything, the genesis of everything God's called us to be as men is that we, are, we understand that before we do anything, God says, this is my beloved son. And everything we do, is in, it comes out of that. Not we're trying to do this to earn our father's approval. See, that's the old thing. That's the father who was demanding of us, and now God's demanding of us. It's the cruel father. The father was never good enough. That's why we need to be healed from those old images. God wants to break some of those things today and launch you on a pl in a place where you're hearing, this is my beloved son. You could do anything then. So I grew up, tell some stories about me. I grew up with my dad. My mom was an alcoholic, a functional alcoholic. Fighting on weekends, every time the alcohol got out, I got, we all got ready for the fights. I was the one that would go down and break up the fights. I'm the one. My memories of my mom are helping her up the stairs when I was 11 and 12 years old. She drank too much to navigate the stairs. I'm tucking her in instead of her tucking me in. That was my life. You know, when, when, you, when you're, your mom is supposed to give you a taste of femininity without sexuality, I never got that from my mom. 
So guess what became important in my life? Pornography and girlfriends. That was my life. A mother wound, you know. If, uh, and my dad, you know, my dad, he was disappointed. I mean, mom sleeping until noon, you know, broken. My dad had a broken heart, I think. And lots of tension. You know, when, when dad's mad at, mad at mom, you know, that sideways, sideways anger goes to the kids, doesn't it? You can't focus on anger. That sideways anger, boop. We didn't even, dad, boop. And, you know, me and my dad had tension. We had shoe wars. Like, I wanted beetle boots pointed in the 60s, you know. The Beatles are in town. He goes, no son of mine's ever going to wear shoes like that. I go, you're ruining my life, dad. Haircut wars. Shower wars. He gets in the shower. Hot water's on. Turns the, turns the hot off. Cold. And he makes noise. Like, and he goes, Jim, you ought to try it. It's like manhood. I go, Dad, I don't even like getting out of a warm shower into a cold bathroom. And the message I got from my dad is, you disappoint me. You disappoint me. You don't want to try the cold shower? I go, Dad, do I have to try the cold shower to get your approval or your affection or your attention or your affirmation? Even, even pancake wars, the sourdough pancakes, he would take them. He'd put that, this, big pot, this big bowl of beautiful pancake batter, and he takes this thing out of this, this starter, this sour piece of something, and he puts it in there and leaves it overnight, and it wrecks the whole batch. The whole batch is now ruined. It's leavened. If you don't like sourdough, I mean, you know. And, and then you take a little bit of that and put it in the thing, and just, it's just so it, it, so it perpetuates. Like, I think we were all like, this 12 years we've been keeping this going. I go, I'm ready to steal it. I'm ready to get rid of it, you know. I'm, and, you know, that's why we got sugar problems in the country. You got to smother the pancakes with syrup, so much syrup, so it at least tastes decent, you know. It was all part of this pain in my life as a son. If you do 90, you know, it's like there's this dad school somewhere. We, listen, guys, we got a job. We need to preach the gospel. There's another job we got. We need to find a dad school where they teach these dads this crazy thing. If, there's, if a kid does 99 things right and one thing wrong, the dad always tells them about the one thing wrong. I go, where where is this school? It's under a bridge or in a forest. What we need to do is we need to find it and blow it up somewhere. Who wants to help me? Find it and blow it up. We need, we need to find it and blow it up. Now, listen, I don't want to trash dads too much. Dads are supposed to train and correct. Dads are supposed to train and correct, but it's supposed to be with a foundation or the partner of unconditional love all the time next to it. But when we're busy and we're doing this and that, the unconditional love part doesn't quite get out there. And we got the old record pattern of, da- of our dad saying, burp, burp, burp. that's where we got to break that old pattern. We got to break that old voice. We got to break that pain. We need to pull the pain out of a generation of dads so that, that, that tape recording is in there so they have the capacity to do what's in their heart for their kids and all the other orphans in the world. You wouldn't be here if you don't ha- didn't have a heart like that. God wants to heal that father wound today. That's why I love Isaiah 61. The only phrase I can speak to you is just to, to bind up the brokenhearted. Don't you love that phrase? To bind up the brokenhearted. It's what he started his ministry with, to preach good news to the afflicted. We're all in the same boat. Come on. There's some father wounds here. Okay, we, do we have perfect dads? No. He also wants to be a father to us. 
He wants to fill the empty places. He wants to heal us. We present our pain and he exchanges it and gives us his presence. He breaks that thing we carry around in our life. Wow. So let me finish my story about my dad. Got cancer. Prayed for him. He got healed. And I moved back to town and trying to relate to my dad. We're not close. Remember all the wars. We had the war. We got battle wounds is what we got. Trying to relate. Two TVs, watching football. I didn't drink beer. Like, I'm a, I'm a disappointment. I'm a constant disappointment. I don't like football. I don't drink beer with him. He said, do you want to go golfing, Jim? you want to go golfing? I go, Dad, I hate golf. Why would I want to go golfing? And one day the Lord spoke to me and said, Jim, your dad is asking for a relationship with you the only way he knows how. He is not going to invite himself to your Bible study. And if, and, if, and if Jesus hadn't entered your world, where would you be? And you're the Christian. How about if you enter his world? So I did as a son. I said, I call him up. I'll never forget it. I call him up. Dad, do you want to go golfing? I mean, are you going golfing on Saturday? And it was just classic. I mean, you got to get, well, Jim, you know, I always go golfing on Saturday. I go, okay, Dad, I get it. I mean, like, I just got to press through that, you know, like, don't, you know, kind of the put down. I go, well, Dad, can I go? Wait, is there a spot for me? Man, his voice changed. I mean, something changed in his spirit. His voice changed. There was something. I was asking God to build a bridge, and we started golfing. And I think I forgave him between the 18th or the 17th tee and the 18th tee, or maybe it was on the green and the 13th tee. I give us over some years, I just forgave my dad. I just forgave him. I started to get healed. We had a relationship. Oh, then he got cancer. He got cancer. We took him to a faith healer. Father DiOrio out at EWU, 6,000 people in a six-hour meeting and went by in 15 minutes. Father DiOrio is praying for people's ears. My dad's in a wheelchair, and he looks at my dad and says, where's your cancer, sir? I go, oh, he's gonna, my dad's going to get healed. I mean, he called him out. How did he know that? The Holy Spirit. Gets him up, stand up, sir. Praise for him, and dad goes, going to fall over. And then he looks like, did you see it? The Spirit leave him. Did you see it? I go, we didn't see that much, but God's going to heal my dad. You know, it was back then, like, what's going on? How cool. We went home. Dad's healed. Dad's healed. Not healed. Getting worse. But something had changed. Something had changed. All of a sudden, he's open to God. My little brother leads him to the Lord. You know what left him? The bitterness of his own father. The wound of his father. Because... We never told dad this, but the reason he treated us the way he did is because his father treated him exactly the same way. And until that healing came, it was almost like that generational curse was guaranteed. I've seen it. I'm never going to be like him. I, my father, I'll never be like him. You become exactly like him. God wants to break that today. He led my, my dad, found the Lord. And then he got that little daily bread. You know, my, the, the boomers know about that daily bread. You know, that little verse, verse a day, you know, 30 days. And he'd underline it, a little shaky hand of dying, a dying shaky hand underlining it every place. Everywhere he underlined was about heaven. It was about heaven. We talk had a relationship. He was in heaven. 
You know, I wear a watch band. I'm going to honor my dad for a minute. I wear a watch band because he wore one. We played some football together in the, in the streets, and he even got in a bar fight trying to protect a woman. How's that for generational transfer? Came home with a broken nose and a big black eye. Some guy was treating a girl the wrong way. I go, okay, maybe that's why I'm the way I am. Thank you, Lord. Crazy. Oh, and then I, I went to a fraternity in college. I didn't know anything about fraternities. Well, my dad was in a frat. Phi Delta, you know, UW. And I went to a fraternity. And that's where I met the Lord. Figure that out. There was a picture of Jesus on the wall. And then instead of keggers in the basement the year before, there were Christian rock bands. Crazy. Crazy. So, Dad, I got a tea time in heaven with my dad. You know that. We got a tea time. He's already got it reserved. I just need to make an adjustment with him. Um, you're going to have to wait a while, Dad. And I'm just, why don't you hit about 10,000 buckets of balls, and I'll, I'll be there. But just, just start hitting your bucket of balls, okay, because it's going to be a while. But I'm looking forward to it. You know, forgiveness never says to a dad what he did was right. You know that? We know the story of the prodigal son, don't we? You know, I have this suspicion maybe today, one of the ways we heal a father wound, we, we forgive and engage our dad like I was talking about. But another way is we connect to the heavenly father, that the heavenly father begins to heal us because he becomes the dad we never had in some of those places. It's like, and for some of you today, maybe you've never ever had a chance to say, I want to have the heavenly father be my father. There's something in you saying that. And I think about the prodigal son story. You know, that father and the son, and the father represents God, and the son represents us. You know what that father did? You know, think about this is how God feels about us. That father, it says he saw him when he, when he was a long way off, he saw him. And I don't care what you've done or who you've done it with or how much failure, God sees you when you're a long way off. And there's something in his heart that he sees you and he doesn't just see you. Oh yeah, that's him. He deserves everything he's getting. That is the spirit. That's darkness. That is not God. He sees you from far away. And not, that's not good enough. He feels compassion for you. He doesn't stop there. He says, oh, I'm not waiting for him to get to me. I'm running to him. That's what he does. He's running to some people right now. And then he says, I'm gonna hug him. And he doesn't even shower. He was in the pig pen. No shower required. You get a hug. In other words, don't clean yourself up. You just come. Let him clean you. And then he kisses you. Continual kissing the rest of your life. It's the hardest life you will ever live, the Christian life, and the best life you'll ever live. Come on. The hardest and the best. How many know that to be true? Come on. Where am I? My bros, come on. It's a mystery. It's the craziest thing. The hardest and the best. Here's his invitation. He was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. What is the profit if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And I love this English version of Luke 12, 8. If you tell others you belong to me, I will tell my Father in heaven, you are my followers. Wow. 
If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. How many people want to start that relationship with Jesus today? I just want to ask you to stand. You know that when the prodigal son came home, you know what? They had a party. It was like, man, the people got to welcome their new, their brother back. It was like, cool. I thought, as I was praying today, I thought, you know, let's just have people stand. Who, who is saying, today, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I, I've been through some stuff, and I'm, I'm just going to stand. I'm going to say to God, I want to start. I want to start this. I understand it's going to cost me something, but I want to start it. Who's going to stand? Can you do that right now? Can you just say, son or daughter, is there anyone standing? There's one right there. Come on. Come on. It's going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you a lot. Listen. But it's the best. It's the hardest life and it's the best life. Come on, there's two. There's another one. The hardest life and the best life and the heavenly father. See, we're, we're, we're staying. Come on. Come on. Look at that. They're greeting each other. Two brothers. They don't even know each other. They're, they're greeting each other. Can you just stay standing just for a couple more seconds? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. Anybody else? There's a, there's a couple right there. Come on. That's going to change. Listen in. It's really, you got to grow. You got to jump in. But you're saying, Lord, we're not the boss anymore. You're the boss. You're the good shepherd. You're going to lead us by still waters. And even in the presence of our enemies, you're going to sit with us. How exciting is that? Okay, let's have the rest of you stand. Let me read this for you. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. The sin is nailed to the cross, and Jesus is, now, is in your life. And I love this. I love this. And we can all do this. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All. So I'm just going to pray, Lord, and just repeat after me. Lord, thank you for what you did for me on the cross. You suffered and died, and I want to belong to you, and I choose you this day to belong to you. I want your strength, and I know you will give me your grace to confess you before men. I don't want to be ashamed of you, but proud of your life in me and my life in you. Lord, I confess my sins. If you could just, a minute, all of us, and those that stood for the first time, can you just tell him, forgive me for this, forgive me for this, speak it out loud. Just, just God's bringing some things to mind that you really want forgiveness for. You can just say that right now, just quietly, out loud. Can we all do that just right now? Confess. Lord, I confess my sins. Just say those things. So precious. Thank you, Lord. I take you at your word. Okay, the last thing we want to do. Thank, let's thank the Lord for, the, for those folks, man. How exciting. The last thing. You are hearing, you're hearing the message and you just say, I've got that father wound in me. I've got that pain. God wants to break it today. I just, I encourage, can you just come right real quick? Just come down here. We're gonna have some prayer. We're gonna take a moment. We're gonna address this thing and say, you are not gonna be in the life of these sons and daughters anymore because there's some treasure in them. 
just come down. Anyone without father pain. We talked about it. Some of you men are thinking about how you grew up, the pain in your life. I don't want you to be ashamed, and I don't want to make a show of it. This is it. But come. God wants to do something. You say, I've got pain. I've got, I'm, I've got blockage. A couple men coming. Come on. And ladies, it doesn't have to be men. I mean, there's some daughters that never heard how precious they were and how valuable they were, and it took them some places they never wanted to go. Come on, ladies. Just come down. We're not going to make a show, but we want to just bless you today. You can bring that heart as a daughter to God, and he sees that daughter's heart. Just open your heart right now. And we're not magicians. We're going to have people come and pray. Come on all the way up. Come on all the way up. Just, I know this takes so much courage. And I want to say this. You're not cursing your father by coming up here. Do you understand that? You are not cursing your father. You're forgiving him. You're releasing him. You're saying, Father, I... You're releasing him. Man, there's just, how beautiful. How beautiful. Anyone else, you can come. Just that, that deep pain. Let me, just, let me just pray. Let me just pray. And we have some others come and just begin to, we have a beautiful young lady here, some, young, some other men. Can you come and some fathers, Dan, some just fathers, any, any fathers that just come and just, just. Father, right now, Father, right now, we break the pain. How many are bringing some sort of pain, just some deep pain in your spirit? Raise your hand. Anywhere in the audience, deep pain. Father, we bring you that pain right now, that debilitating pain, the pain that prevents them from being who you want them to be and who you've called them to be. And Father, I break that pain that causes a daughter to look somewhere for a, a man's affection or attention and it leaves her empty and hurt over and over. And we break the power of that. And we say, Heavenly Father, you be the one. You fill the empty heart right now. Heavenly Father, you come. You come right now and break the pain. We command that pain to go. We command the curses to break off right now. Wash over them right now. Wash over them right now. We're going to continue just to pray. If you want prayer, please come. We're going to carry that on. I'm going to turn the... I'm going to give this to somebody. I'm not sure how that goes, you know, but the worship band is going to just, and, and those of you who are out there, will you just stay with us and just pray, pray for these people just as we sing this, kind of just wrap this up with a song. Can we do that? Amen. Bless you so much. Bless you.